our ancestors and different sides of the family all the way back to like Jamestown and Plymouth Rock. Holy crap. Really? Yeah. Find anything interesting? Do we have a like Yeah, I'll give you the password. I'll send it to you. Great. We have a, uh, you know, there's people in our family. I don't know, I have to go look at it more that served in the Revolutionary War and served in the Civil War. All right, that sounds awesome. Um, hey, so I have an idea. I want to run by you guys real quick. So I love it. <laughs> you ready for the idea? So I, I think some ideas. of the most interesting things that we talk about happen in uh, just individual conversations, not a podcast. Um, so I was thinking about, you know, running a format where. You know, we record like the conversation we have before the show, bring the guest on, hit the intro, and then go with the show. In other words, yeah, we'll I start mean, recording before the show starts. Yeah, Dude, I'll do whatever you want, man. I don't, I don't care. All of it sounds good. If you, no, you want to do I something can, cool, go for it. I thought about something. I don't, I don't know what the format, but I thought about the same thing. Is like, yeah. Sometimes, especially if we have guests on having our conversations of talking a little bit of shit, we're talking about the run or whatever it is, because we haven't talked about that yet. And then starting the show, however you want to do it's fine, but I agree with you. Yeah, because I, I think it's cool bringing guests on, but also like, you know, a big part of the show to me, just personally, I don't, not even people listening to it is just getting a chance to hang out with you. Like getting a chance to hang out with you guys. And since we live across the state, that doesn't happen as much as it should. Although I think we're going to change that a little bit. Um and then, you know, record it. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, no, I think you should. Honestly, I think it's funny. I just listened to Zach or the person coming on either podcast. They're talking about something about Little Caesars Pizza. And uh, they must have made fun of it. He's like, that's what brings in the ratings. I'm like, what keeps people around is when we start, like, the last 10 minutes of the one episode when we're like, you're like, oh, yeah. I took Everyone's like, wait, what is going on here? <laughs> so, um, yeah. All right, cool. So we'll do. All right, man. So, uh, you want to talk about the 5K? Yeah, have you started it right? Yeah, you're started. You're on. Oh, we're on? Jeez. Recording Um, in progress. Yeah, so let's talk about this. So, it's been two weeks, right? And if people have listened, or if you haven't listened, well, you know, Brian, Casey, and I talked about seeing each other, getting together. Um, it's no, it's no secret that Brian's preference on exercise is running over pretty much anything else. Brian gets some sort of weird enjoyment out of it. And he called us out a little bit, uh, during the podcast and said, Hey, you know, I'll do a run anytime you want. And on the podcast, sign us up for the frozen 5k, which is a, um, downtown Cincinnati, February, if you're listening some other time, uh, 5k. So there's a couple of things to understand here. First well, of all, interesting think- is like the history, like Brian, Kevin and I, like we've run, we got up to running like Brian and I ran a half marathon. Um, and Kevin, you guys have run 15 K's before now. I run a half marathon with Brian too. It was yeah, awful. I can't run it now. We're like, well, we can talk about it a little bit, but well, like, <laughs> running a mile. Like what I find interesting about Brian is Brian, it doesn't even matter. Like he's just going to go. All right. This is going to suck, and I don't even care. I'm just going to yeah. go run the way through it. And so I thought it. about that. Brian, it's like, I don't know what the word is or the term is, but like self-inflicting pain. Like he likes putting himself through this kind of misery. It's not that you, Brian, you love it. You're awesome. You know, you beat Casey and I by at least four minutes, but like you get enjoyment out of that, where I think Casey and I are like, 
This stuffing sucks. This stuffing well, sucks. I was like, I was going to run the whole thing. And so I ran about ah, almost two miles and I hit the two mile mark. I looked at my watch. I'm like, wait a minute. Their markers are wrong, which are probably not true. I don't know. And I'm like, all right, I'm walking. And, and so I walked a little bit. And then, of course, Kevin comes and stands next to me. No, uh, you came up behind me. I was like. I, well, so, you ran by me, actually. Uh, it's okay. So so we'll start with what the conditions were. So it, at the start of the race, it was, what, 19 degrees, I think. 13 or 19, which I thought was going to be the biggest, like, obstacle we were going to have to deal with. Casey, you layered up. You have at least five layers yeah. on. You look like, you know, the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man with all the sweatshirts and stuff you had on. Um and then once we got running pretty quickly after that, the temperature became a non-issue for me. I mean, even by the end of the race, I was like, all right, I have too many layers on. For me, I ran pretty good for the first mile, mile and a half. And then I'm like, okay, when is the, uh, you know, the runner's high going to kick in? Like, oh, and it just didn't. So I think like, well, Brian and Casey are in front of me. I don't remember when I started walking or speed walking a little bit. Uh, I think around the two mile mark. Like I'm like running, speed walking, whatever you want to call it. And I feel his presence over my left shoulder. And I'm like, who is this dude that's just kind of like in my internal space, man? I'm like way behind everyone else. I look over my shoulder, it's Casey. And I was like, I assumed you were way in front of me. And then you and I kind of did the last mile together, which was intermittent running, running and walking. Um, but I at no point did that. It was like, that was awesome. I love it. I can't wait to do the next one. I don't regret doing it and I'll do more. But I don't think I'm ever going to find the love. So I want to hear Brian's theory. Like, so Brian has a credibility just for it to suck in like, all right, well, this is going to suck and I'm just going to go do it. I just think of ability to get over it. Right. And so you realize like, hey, this is where you are. This is what you're doing. You're not going to not do it. You're you're a mile in and you got whatever miles to go. And you might as well just, you know, let all of that go and just keep going. And then put it out of your mind and just run. And so it's your ability, like I, to, it's your ability to put it out of your mind. Yeah. Did you yeah. run the whole thing? I mean, like yeah. actively yeah. Uh, down in the banks area, uh, a couple of those blocks The up the hill is when I uh, had to walk up the hill coming out of the stadium. Yeah. I had to, I had to walk up that cause that was my heart rate was getting too high. And then um, ran and then down where they um the door uh around the banks where they had the drinking place you know the outdoor yeah. thing i walked that block well the thing about it and we talk about being in shape is it's not like we're i mean we're talking about doing a 5k and some people are like dear god they can't even get through a 5k we've done five we've done 10ks we've done half marathons you know before we're and it, it is another it just shows you it. how far you drop how fast yes. you can drop right because like, i'd be like i remember yeah i mean i was like doing the half marathon i never in a million years would thought i'd get to do doing a 10k um and running the whole thing and i don't remember what you know when we were doing it what our average pace would be um but you know at the time it didn't feel great because you watch these you know professional runners just running like crazy but you're like man i would pay a lot of money to get back to that point again and i don't know if it'll ever happen well, well I mean, all you have to do is just keep running. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just like just like finding Nemo, just keep swimming. Well, I, it, I mean, it's the type of thing that just I know, but it's hard easier. if you don't get joy out of it. I mean, I got it because we did it before, but I do question, like, you know, they talk about the runner's high and you see thousands of people out there that generally all shapes and sizes. I'm not even mm-hmm. saying just people shape that just generally get enjoyment out of running. I am never going to be that person. I'll do it because the end goal for me to be in better health, 
I'm you don't get it. like energy. I mean, there had to be what thirty five hundred people there, so not small, but not huge. But you don't get energy just from like the people all around you. No, the half marathon I did, the the flying pig I did, I definitely felt that because there's people cheering you on that don't mm-hmm. know you, and it kind of pushes you through. So I get that part. But when, every other race that we've done, no. Well, I mean, that's why I, I found Brian so interesting. Like Brian needs no external motivation. He's just like, no. all right, this is gonna freaking suck. I don't even care. Yeah. I'm running through it. Yeah, and it's like, it's like it's like yeah, it's 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 like Brian's version of. I don't think Brian that you necessarily like. Yes, I love it. It's like no. It's like mm-hmm. I'm gonna induce pain on myself, and the pain is the enjoyment that I'm gonna get out of this. Where I'm like, this sucks. This. Well, sucks. you know what? I, like lifting because you like to lift. You know why I don't like to lift? Is because it's the constant stop and start, right? All right, what do I do next? All right, what do I do next? All right, what do I do next? Like when you're running or like the elliptical, when you're just you're just doing one thing and you're just doing it, and like there's no thinking involved, there's no nothing. It's just shut up and do it. Where lifting, you got to be like actively involved, figuring out what you're doing, what you're doing next, counting reps, counting sets. Like I'm like, man, I, I didn't come here to do that kind of work. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's fair. And I actually thought of you this morning. So it's actually going to be 50 degrees today. It's still a little cold. Um, but I was watching the news and they had like a 5K in downtown Loveland. And my thought was, mm. oh my God, thank Brian. Thank God Brian didn't see that. Next to my soul, we would have ran it. <laughs> I know. And I didn't know. I mean, it's Valentine's weekend and mm. Loveland, Ohio. So they have a whole bunch of activities going on in, in Loveland. And I, I hadn't heard about it, but I was like, oh, thank God Brian didn't see that. Or I would have been running that this morning. So when is our next 5K or when's our next race? I think uh, I got to send you the link and then you can just pick one out. Well, uh, so Cleveland has the uh, St. Patrick's Day one. You sent that one. Yeah. I ran that one before. Yeah. That's pretty fun. Yeah. They give I you a kilt. That. You run in a kilt. I think. Oh, really? I think that one's on a Sunday. So like we could go up and back on the same day. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. I, I, we can do that. I mean, there's the mini heart. Um which I said I would sign us up for because I think Fidelity, I don't know, for a sponsor. Anyway, there's stuff in the office so I can get a sign. That'll be in March. You know, part of this is getting stuff on the calendar because it's filling up quickly. Um, I know you guys sent some other stuff out regarding wanting to go and do a baseball trip, which I'm on board with, but I started cross-checking against the calendar, so I have to see if I can make some of that time work because most of that's just drivable. Same yeah. 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 Hey, Zach just popped in in the, uh, in the thing. Zach, what's going on? How you doing? Hey, what's up? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah we hear you fine. fine. All right, Zach, here's what here's what we're going to do here, all right, is so um, we'll start the show. Welcome to the pre-show. Brian, Kevin, and I have been hmm. talking already in the pre-show. We'll start it. I'll give you the introduction. All right, here's the thing. See what you think, Brian and Kevin. I wrote to chat, chat GPT to write an introduction to Three Wright Brothers podcast with Zach Miley as special guest. You're, you're excited <laughs> to see what they hear? And then I put a yeah. link to your website. Well, I think chat GPT in general is something that is just every day people are more and more curious. I don't know if that's mainstream yet, but I, I am flabbergasted at how well this thing works. So I'm kind of curious as to what the intro said. Yeah. So I linked because to your basically website. what you're saying is what people don't know. Chat GPT is artificial intelligence that got just, you know, released. I think it's still in beta form. And basically, whatever you're about to say, you didn't write. You pushed a button, put some inputs, hit enter, and this is what it returned, right? All right, well, launch it and then read it. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> All right. You ready, Zach? Yep. All right, here we go. Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys. What do you get? 
you bring a finance guy, a school principal, and a lawyer together. Three people who could never be wrong because they are the three Wright brothers. Oh, and guys, don't suck. Good morning, everybody. It's the three Wright brothers back at you. It is a Sunday morning. What does that mean? That means Kevin, Brian, and Casey come together to discuss all things brothers. And this year, what they decided to focus on is mental and physical health. Today, we invited a special guest, Zach Miley. Zach's a certified social worker, licensed social worker, Ohio certified prevention consultant with a master's degree in social work from the Ohio State University. Years of experience in mental health counseling, workforce development, coaching, substance abuse, mental health promotion. Zach is a true expert in his field. But beyond his professional credentials, Zach is driven by his personal passion for helping others. After losing his brother in 2021, Zach has redoubled his efforts to turn pain into purpose. And that's exactly what we'll be discussing today. We all know the road to getting physically fit can be a challenging one. But when you add in the impact of mental, mental health and physical well-being, it seems like an insurmountable task. That's why we're thrilled to have Zach here joining us here today to share his thoughts, his expertise, his experiences, and take all those steps to be a healthier, happier life. So let's get started. The three Wright brothers, Kevin, Brian, and Casey, along with our special guests, here to encourage each other to get physically and mentally healthy. Can't wait to hear, grow, learn, and inspire and reach our health and wellness goals. How's about that, Zach? Welcome to the Three Rep Brothers Podcast. How you doing? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. All right. So, Zach, I'm going to introduce you to Brian and Kevin. So, you have known me for a long time, but Brian, which is on top of your Zoom screen, is um, an attorney down in Dayton area, Dayton, Cincinnati. I've been practicing law for a long time, and he's my identical twin brother. So, um, you know. You don't get confused on the Zoom screen. And then Kevin, next to you down there, Kevin is a works for Fidelity Investments. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. And um, is, yeah, I don't even know how to describe what you do, Kevin. But Kevin recently got promoted, so he has a new position. So, Kevin, I guess you can describe what you do. Yeah, I just, yeah, I've been at Fidelity Investments 25 years, and I don't know, it wasn't a promotion, to be clear. It was a lateral move, but it was a big deal because job hopping is not something that the Wright brothers do um, really at all. Um, we pretty much find a, find something where, you know, what we like to do. And so I just recently changed. I don't want to bore people to death what I do. It's funny, after 25 years, you know, I try and explain to my wife what I do, and she hears blah, 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 blah. Um, so I won't go into too much details, but, um, yeah, so, so that's what I do and I enjoy it. And the three of us are professionals, but find joy in very different avenues in our profession. Yeah. So if you took that snippet out and just recorded that Kevin explaining what he does, I think (laughs) the person listening would find, would think either one, he sells drugs right? (laughs) or two, he's like a CIA agent. Well, so, so here's the thing. So, yeah, so there's a long history. I don't even try and do it anymore. So, so Zach, it was, I don't know whose funeral we're at. Where is it? Dad's? I don't even know what it was. We were at someone's funeral in the family. And so we all were from Syracuse, New York. We don't go back very often. And we were at a funeral where a lot of people come and, and, you know, they haven't seen you for a long time. And the truth is some people haven't seen us for 15, 20 years. And so we're in this, the receiving line. And just so you know, like, you know, our, you know, our spouses, you know, their jobs, everyone's jobs are very easily explainable. We have people that are teachers, we have people that are lawyers, and Casey's doing introductions because Casey is Casey, like he loves to just, you know, hey, you know, you've known him. And so 
it's 2008. It's the financial crisis. And everyone in the receiving line, he's like, this is my brother, Brian. He's a lawyer. This is my sister-in-law. She's a teacher. Oh, I'm a, I'm a principal. Oh, this is Kevin. He's a banker. And I'm like, stop telling people that I'm a banker in 2008. It is the most hated profession in the world. And you kept on doing it. So even since that far, I'm like, I don't even try. Yes, I have a job. I enjoy it very much. I don't know that people would find it necessarily interesting, but this isn't anything new. Um, if you really want to know, I work in the 401k plan. And if you have an established 401k plan and your company decides to change their fund lined up, then my teams will help support that and change the underlying investments. And so oh. that's what we do. But I don't think you find that description any more exciting <laughs> oh. than what I said yeah, before. But ho holy shit, it only took you like 12 years to come up with like an elevator speech of what you actually do. Well, I've only been doing this for five months. So <laughs> would have whenever someone back. asks you what you do, we get this five-minute speech. It's complicated. My wife doesn't like it. I can't ever explain it to somebody. And finally, when it comes down to it, he, I don't you think know, people he, care. That's the thing. Okay, well, find it now we all know. If you have any extra time on your hands, one of my favorite podcasts we've ever did is the day that Robinhood shut down its uh, his trading system for what were the two things? The meme stocks that it shut yeah, down. Uh, Robin Robinhood. Robinhood shut down their trading platform for volumes, so and we don't even have to go into why. No, we don't. But it was funny because I w I was super mad that day for whatever reason and i was beating the snot out of kevin in the podcast saying oh here's what you think you people you, 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 you people, people this is all you be, people because you and think I'm you're like, smarter than the rest of us i had nothing to do with it stop saying you people <laughs> i always think the funny thing is what your explanation of what happened actually turned out to be true so i was like well there you well, go well i wasn't making it up but i know at that point you know casey that casey was unhinged like it made for a great <laughs> podcast because he was just ripping everybody associated with wall street finance he's like you people i'm like say, stop saying you people i had nothing to do with this all right zach, anyway. or zach your turn tell uh brian and kevin especially what you do in your background <laughs> yeah so okay so i'm the so i'm a i'm a social worker i'm the my official job title is student wellness coordinator but i i kind of do whatever people ask me to do with regard to um, helping kids and families uh, in the school district. So um, uh, anything with mental health, anything with um, substance use, anything with um, just making sure that people are getting the resources they need to be successful um, academically and social, socially and emotionally. Um, and I kind of just hop in wherever I'm needed um, to offer my expertise and, and help um, and try to be, try to be everywhere I can um, to make sure that people know that my services are available. So that's kind of, that's kind of the elevator speech. Um, I don't know if that. Does well, I'm interested but. in your podcast. So Zach has a podcast and that's why I want brought you on is talk to a little bit about the podcast you do. Yeah. So we, so I do a podcast with my best friend, Brandon, um, who's a certified uh, life and health coach uh, called men who talk heal. Um, and we started this podcast. Oh, God, I don't even know, um, like two years ago. Um, and we started it after, <laughs> so we did it. We also did like a, another podcast before that with a friend of ours that was just about nothing. Um, and then we stopped doing that podcast because people came after us about some of our opinions. And so then we did a, this podcast, which is more focused on mental health and wellness. Um, and, we started doing that podcast and just talking about like open conversations, just about what was going on with our own mental health. We had other people come on and talk about their mental health, um, just to kind of destigmatize and normalize the conversation around 
mental health. And it's not really necessarily targeted at men. It's, it's kind of open for everybody, but we just happen to be two guys um, talking about mental health. Um, and then it just so happened that like six months into, into doing that podcast, um, my brother, Adam, um, who was five years younger than me, he died by suicide. Um, and so uh, we, we then like took a month and a half off, um, came back. Um, and then I just kind of have made it like a part of my, my personal like mission, um, that I use kind of that experience to, to turn that pain into purpose and, um, make something positive out of, out of that situation. So, um, we do the podcast, we try to do it like every, every week, try to do it every Sunday. We take some time off for ourselves, um, every now and then, but, uh, we kind of hit every sector um, as things come up. Sometimes we just get on and we talk about what's going on with us um, so that people can just hear people talk about their mental health. Yeah. So why is it such a, a strong, I mean, for, for men, especially to talk about mental health, you know, I, I imagine it's probably getting better, but we have a long way to go as far as like people willing to admit that they have mental health issues and whether they need help or not need help or just to talk, like, why is that so hard? Yeah, so there's different perspectives on on why that is. Um, I've always kind of joked uh, with different guests and experts that we've had on. I've always asked the question, like, is this is this like at its core the same brain process that stops guys from like reading directions to build things and stops them from like being willing to stop and ask for directions when they're lost? Like, is it the same? Is it the same like neurological brain process? Um, and some people say yes, like it is rooted there and and other people say, no, it's not. Um, you know, there's the whole concept of like toxic masculinity, which mm. again, you know, some people disagree with that. Um, and and if you're not familiar with toxic masculinity, which I'm sure you are, but it's just like, you know, we're too strong or we're, so, excuse me, we're supposed to be strong and we're not allowed to show weakness and uh, mental health is a sign of weakness. And so we don't talk about it and we're not allowed to ask for help. Um, and, and it's also in line with, you know, guys die a lot more frequently from heart attack because they don't go to the hospital when they feel chest pain and they don't go to the doctor in general. And so, you know, I think all of those things are really closely tied together um, historically. And, you know, mental health even more so is like, I think even harder for guys to talk about um, than their physical health, like, because they really think you know, they really tie that with, oh, this is something I should be able to just get over. Like, why, why am I feeling sad of all things? Um, you know, and if you think about that compared to I'm having chest pain or physical pain, um, I would imagine that for guys that struggle with that, they would, e they would struggle even harder with admitting that they're feeling sad or having some type of emotion. You know, what I find interesting about this is, you know, if you look at all of human existence and I'm talking about way back, you know, humans, millions of years ago, had to go and find their food, and they were, you know, the threat of dying out while you're in pursuit of that by getting eaten by a lion or something horrible happened to you was real, right? So your bodies are set up to combat a fear that is real, a fear of um, not having enough food, not being able to find food, um, a fear of when I'm hunting and gathering, then getting killed by whatever I'm trying to get. Um, whether it's a, eaten by a lion or whatever that is. And then you fast forward, you know, our bodies have changed through evolution, but at its core is still the same. And so, you know, you have all these hormones within your body and adrenaline within your body that's still there, 
but we spend most of our time now sitting at desks, staring at computers or social media or whatever that is. And, but our bodies are set for a million years ago. So what happens is it releases that adrenaline and it produces uh, anxiety and fear in human beings. What do I know? And then uh, how our body, what do we call that now? We call that um, mental health, right? Like how do we deal with this excess amount of hormones and adrenaline run through my body when I don't have to worry about where my next meal comes from? I don't have to worry about basically um, life and death scenarios. Yeah, that's super interesting that you say that because, you know, if you think about that primal instinct, you know, that fight or flight essentially um, is what it is. And then, you know, thinking about those basic needs at a time when all people, you know, all they had to think about was, you know, oh, I'm going to hunt or I'm, you know, I'm going to sleep or whatever it was. And now we add all these extra things, right? And so, you know, we're evolved into a, a more advanced being. And um, and so now when we think about like kids um, and, you know, we talk about kids, one of my favorite like quotes talking about trauma is like, you can't, you can't run from a lion and read at the same time, right? And so when we talk about, you know, trying to help kids be successful in the classroom, and we talk about kids with trauma, we can't expect them to learn effectively and also be dealing with, you know, all of this trauma that they're dealing with. So we have to deal with the mental health first. And so, you know, it would be, it would be simple to say, well, yeah, you know, like there was a time when we all just had to do A, B, and C, and we didn't address mental health. And I hear a lot of that actually from parents um, and specifically male parents when I'm working with them, like, oh, we, we didn't have all this. Like, we didn't have to deal, like, I didn't have mental health. I didn't have, you know, stress and anxiety. And, you know, I was fine as a kid. Well, you know, we're also dealing with different things and we know more and science has evolved and we understand more than we did even 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, and so what you're talking about is even thousands of years ago and that primal instinct um, and how that's evolved over all of that time. Um, and now we have jobs and we have career pressure and we have educational pressure and we have social pressure and all these things that didn't exist at that time. Yeah, that's certainly true. I also think, you know, for us, uh, Brian and Kevin, we've been trying to get healthy through physical exercise. And, you know, part of that was tying it through what's that going to do to your mental um, health. What I think is interesting is can you replicate that fear? Not that you're, you're not going to jump into a cage with a lion. That's not that's not going to happen. But we just got done talking about Brian and Brian's ability. We just ran a 5K, which seems stupid. But Brian was ability to take his brain, shut it off, run that 5K, where Kevin and I, you know, struggled our way through it. The question I have, I think, is interesting, is can we replicate that? Can we replicate um, that fear in our bodies? Meaning this, can we use exercise and can we use something other than sitting there staring at a screen to um, replicate those, or deal with those hormones and those um, adrenaline in our body that make ourselves healthier. I, so I'll, admittedly, I'm not, you know, the expert on physical fitness and, and Casey, you see me on a regular basis. So you would know that. Um, <laughs> but Brandon talks about physical fitness a lot on the show. And we've, we've talked about it a lot. And I mean, it's pretty widely known that physical fitness and mental health is very closely tied together in the research. Um, and I would assume that that is because it's closely tied in the neurons. 
So, you know, I, I'm really fascinated personally by, you know, the, the neuropathology and the neurology of mental health. And I've always like wanted to know like the why behind mental health and not just that it's, you know, depression happens because depression happens. I've always wanted to know like, what, what are the, what are the hormones and why, what is the chemical imbalance and how does the, you know, synapsis misfire and things like that. Um, and so my guess would be that, you know, when you exercise and you are pushing yourself to limits that you weren't previously pushing yourself before, and you're challenging yourself, you are replicating, um, different parts of your brain that you're referring to. Um, and you're, you are duplicating that type of, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily know if it's fear, but maybe the adrenaline piece, um, that is releasing some type of norepinephrine or, um, you know, serotonin response that is in a way positively impacting, you know, the way you feel about yourself. Yeah. I think it's interesting. uh, That's interesting. So, uh, two things is, you know, Zach, you've been doing this a while, you know, Casey, you bring up like thousands of years of evolution and then, you know, just linking the thing together and like a through line, you know, the, the, the changes in generation, just recent generation, right. Generations talking about mental health and trauma and things like that. In your experience, Zach, do you think it's, it was always there. We just didn't talk about it or, it's there now and we're more aware of it. And um, maybe there's a change now where there's actually even more of it. And, um, um, and, you know, it's not that we had the same mental health issues in the fifties. There were certainly mental health issues, but we have, we have, we're more self-aware of it now in in the 2020s and there's more of it. I think it's multifactored. I think there's a little bit of all of that. I think we know, I think we know and understand it more. I think the the science has advanced um, and where we're able to study the brain and see the brain in different ways that we weren't able to see it before, which helps us understand it better. But I also think that the, I think the landscape is different for the, for these generations, you know, generation by generation, I think the landscape is different. You know, I think that um, you know, Gen Z faces things that are different than, than boomers faced, you know? Mm. Um, and I think that they, their coping strategies were different. Um, and so not for better or for worse, I think it's just different. And I think sometimes they want to pit, they, I think what happens is they pit themselves against each other for better or for worse. And that's where that conversation gets kind of like, um, confrontational. And I don't know that it has to be that way. Um, because it's just different. It's not better or worse. So I think that, um, you know, for example, like one of my big things is I, I have, you know, students that come to me and they go, well, I think I have borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. So you, go, have well, stu- wait, you have a student you know, that comes to you and says, all right, I think I've self-diagnosed myself through Google. Yeah, yeah. I can. Well, I can guarantee you that it was from TikTok. You know, like I, mm. I can guarantee you that they've been digging into, you know, they've, that they've, gotten themselves into a rabbit hole on TikTok. And we did a whole episode on, on TikTok self-diagnosis because it's like a whole fad, like where these people start these TikTok trends where they, they, they get you into a place where you feel like you have this disorder and you basically by association, association convince Mm. yourself that you have this disorder. And so then you start kind of adopting like the symptomology almost somatically, right? Like 
where you didn't have it before. And that is something that obviously boomers would not have experienced because they didn't have TikTok. So, you know, there, there are different, I think it's multi-factored in that sense that there's going to be different exposure to things that different generations didn't have. But then I also do think at the root Um, you know, when we talk about like true mental health disorders and really the, like, if we get to, you know, the, the true trends and what is real diagnosable mental health, I think that we see an increase in diagnosable mental health because we actually understand it better Mm -hmm. and are able to recognize it because if we get it where Mm -hmm. we didn't, you know, 50 years ago. Yeah, I think so too. I also think that, you know, we've, fallen into a culture of certainly social media and um and a lot of like things coming at us all the time uh that raise uh, our stress levels but to combat that what we've done is over medicate right so we've mm-hmm. introduced new medications to try to solve those things and what i'm super interested in and i know brian and kevin we're, we're exploring this is how do you do that without medication Yeah, that's, that is an interesting point because I, so, and just openly, you know, I take, I take a medication, um, every day for my anxiety. Um, and I did try to, so I recently did like a 45 day trial of not being on medicine. Um, and I just, I felt like crap, like, um, and I've been on, I've been on, uh, medicine for anxiety for probably about three years. Um, and I wanted to try to come off of it um, because I was having like some side effects, like very flat affect, kind of like not being able to feel other emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I said, you know, I worked with my doctor and I weaned off of it. And for the first like few weeks, I was doing okay. And then kind of towards the end of the 45 days, I was really having, you know, like a lot of my generalized like chest pain, like chest yeah, pains, right. yeah. like jitteriness, and just wasn't. Um, just was not feeling well overall. So did you ever explore um, like, what is it that medication is doing in your body? Like, is it blocking the serotonin or what is it doing within your body that is trying to calm you? Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually working with a psychiatrist who is also duly trained in integrative medicine. Mm-hmm. So um, she is, she's drawing like all kinds of like labs and looking at like my inflammation status and looking at like my nutritional status and trying to see if there's other reasons that, you know, there might be, you know, might be like a holistic reason that I'm experiencing this anxiety. Um, and then see if there's, some alternative option other than medicine. Um, the medicine that I was taking was, uh, was a serotonin reuptake inhibitor. Um, I was on Lexapro. Um, I'm very, now on and Lexapro well, is very common. It's very, it's very common. common. Yeah. It's very common. I'm now on Wellbutrin, which is, um, like a, a, it's a different class of medication. It's a serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor. So it, it actually, um, works differently than the, the Lexapro, um, in the sense that it doesn't have some of the side effects that Lexapro has. Um, and so we're trying that to see if I respond better to it with just the anxiety and not the affect issues, um, to see she's trying to narrow down exactly that question. You know, what is, what is the the chemical imbalance that's causing the anxiety? Mm. Um, because it does seem really generalized for me. Like I can't, there's not, I don't get like a triggered 
anxiety attack. Like I don't have like the, the typical presentation presentation of like a, you know, fetal position. Like I can't function panic attack. It is like kind of the always there, like foot tapping, like nervousness with no real identified reason. Um, and so that's kind of what we're working through and trying to figure out. So my advice to people, um, you know, when they ask that question and they're just really not feeling well is to really work closely with a provider that they trust and they feel like they can have a conversation with, um, and they feel like they can advocate for themselves with, and that they're not being just forced something that they're not comfortable with. Um, because, you know, people, there people aren't open to medication all the time and they do want to try different things, but also medication doesn't have to be a forever solution. And it can be something that can help in the short term while you're exploring these kind of other, um, integrative options, if that makes sense. And, and Brian, Kevin know very clearly I'm open to medication. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm fine about that. So like, I'm fine with that. Yeah. You didn't, because I'm curious about this because you started this the other the other day a couple yeah. weeks ago. We never finished it, so you being and we don't know. Yeah, we yeah, you, you're talking yeah. about Casey. and I, and and like you have to explain because none we actually don't even know. But uh, what two years ago you tried um, hormone replacement? Yeah. So and, and Zach's well, interesting. Well, what, I'm, I'm curious not only what you did. Yeah. And then, but I'm curious about what that did for your mental health, like how that, how that impacted your mental health. All right. So super interesting is, you know, Brian, Kevin, and I, and Zach will remember this because Zach, I've known Zach for 20 years. Zach was a student. Uh, I was Zach's principal and also Zach's brother's principal. Um, so Zach knew me during his time. He actually worked for me. And so we got really healthy, right? Um, Brian, Kevin, and I got really healthy. Zach, remember, lost a bunch of weight, was running all yep. the time. And so I got hooked up with this like whole health um, doctor. And what I was exploring was, all right, I'm an optimal health, um, physically, all my blood work, all my, um, everything that was pointing was optimal. Um, but I was curious on how I could take it. Like what, what could I do to make it better? Or what could I do that could take it to the next step? I was running, I was working out all those things. I was eating healthy, and so we ran a bunch of blood work and found out all my, looked at all my levels and found out that my testosterone level was low. And, you know, it's interesting. I don't I look back on this. I mean, I think it's naturally low as you age, but it was low. So I started on a testosterone replacement therapy, like where you would take testosterone. And I did it for so like shot in the ass type. Exactly right. Uh, testosterone. Well, how did you do that? You the literally thing about it, it was Casey's like, oh, about a so the other thing, which Zach probably also knows, is that in back of my mind, I was like, okay, so the Wright brothers are in a competition, and we are all finding success. And Casey's like, I need an edge, kind of like Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire. Yes, Ivan and Drago this, from uh, from Rocky, yeah, man. Because what the it's hell? not like he's like, it's not like we had this conversation. Zach, literally in a so podcast. He was juicy. Yeah, <laughs> like literally in a podcast. You know, the, and Casey's known for this. We won't go into other stories. Is he just kind of like corked my bats in college and baseball? Yeah. Like, yeah. He basically yeah. drops it like the last five minutes. And we're like, I'm like, wait, well, wait, wait a minute. Back when we were having this competition and trying to outdo each other, you on your side were like, hey, I'm looking for that edge. So it isn't like Casey can't present this as, well, I got together. I was like, I was trying to figure out, no, you were like, how can I top my brothers? I'm going to try this avenue. <laughs> Let's call it what it was. Yeah. Like, there's some truth about? to that. So, I mean, there's so, some truth yeah. to that. You and did so, it for a year, right? Yeah, probably a year. So what did it do? What did it do to your mental health? 
Um, so you got to really, but when you put, when you take, and this is kind of a conversation Zach has too, like when you add substances to your body, you got to pay really close attention to what your blood work's telling you about mm-hmm. your levels. And so you got to, listen, I'm no expert in this, but you got to pay attention because one medication turns into four or five different medications. Cause mm-hmm. what you're trying to do is you're trying to make optimal levels. And so as I was taking testosterone, I was also taking, I, I'm not going to say it's correct, but uh, another medication or series of medication to kind of optimize my estrogen levels, optimize all those levels out. And so you end up taking a bunch of different medications plus high doses of like vitamin D and B12, mm-hmm. all sorts of other stuff. Um, and what, what was going on there? that? Well, it was fine. And um, you gained a lot. Did of, you find yourself being aggressive? Um. Well, understand what was going on in life in that time. That was pre-COVID and right uh, at the beginning of COVID. So um, probably about six months before COVID and then six months after COVID already started. And COVID was a hard time for me because I'm used to um, really, well, I'm used to really being surrounded by people all the time, you know, 1,300 uh, students and 167 staff members and working in a high school and Zach will appreciate this. It's kind of like an emergency room. You're like the doctor in the emergency room. So you got to be really good at solving crises fast for people and answering questions and doing all those things. And I was good at that. And that was, um, and that was really great. But what happened was when COVID hit, we all kind of went to our corners and never saw anybody, never really talked to anybody. Um, everybody kind of, you know, every, all the gyms were closed. Everything was was a struggle there and that's when i uh that's when i noticed that um i struggled to control um my emotions when it came to that like i saw i I was getting angry (laughs) like i'd wake up in the middle of the night just mad like really really like uncontrollably mad um because i couldn't control what was happening um for my students or for my staff and so in a combination of gyms being closed that I was like, all right, enough of this. I'm not doing this anymore. And you stopped. And then when you stopped, did you notice like some of those mental health issues resolved themselves? Yeah. Yeah, it did. And then I ran, I kept running the numbers too, because you got to be careful about that stuff, about Mm -hmm. what happens when you stop right away. Mm -hmm. And so I kept running the numbers to see what my numbers would do. And, um, you know, they all level out and you go back to some kind of normal. You got to be careful because if you do it for a long time, it'll it'll teach your body to stop producing testosterone. Um, Mm So you got to be careful about that too. And I'm no expert and please, nobody who listens to this take any advice from me because these are just experiments I do myself. Um, although, um, you know, I wasn't working out then I was running a little bit, but not working out. I mean, back then we were crazy. Like we would work out, I would still work out four in the morning, but we would ride our bikes between 35 and 50 miles every a Sunday. Right. We would run. It wasn't odd yeah. to go out and run eight to 12 miles um every third day right it w- or every two days it wasn't i mean that was, was a different we, time yeah we were in our 40s and it was arguably the best health physically probably mentally too that i was ever in my life for a period of two years depression is interesting but i think as we were talking about this is and i think maybe this is where you know the, the kids come in and it's difficult is now being 47 i am much more aware of my feelings at any given time than i would have been in my 20s or even younger than that and, you know, we talked about COVID. I brought this up before and a little bit of its own, you know, naturally social experiment. So I'm like a hyper extrovert, like to be around people, get my energy around people. I went into the office for the same office for 20 some years. All of a sudden we're in COVID 
and I I'm still at home, but we were home for two straight years. And I've all like everyone has stories in their lives. I have mine as well, in which you have things in which you know you're having your sad, you know, cancer diagnosis and um, you know, other type of, of things that make you sad. But something happened t- two years in a row, and it was my wife who brought it up, and I was like, Oh, I think she's right. And it was February is a miserable month. And you always hear about people being depressed because lack of vitamin D, sunshine, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, yeah, I, I, whatever. I believe into it. I believe it, I guess. And then what happened two years in a row is uh, the doors were closed at Fidelity. And my office was also in my family room. So what I would do for the whole month of February is I would get out of bed, barely take a shower, barely get ready, plop down, work 10 hours at my desk, move to the recliner, then go to bed, rinse and repeat for 28 straight days. And, you know, because the weather is what it is in February, there is no going outside for walks. There is no fresh air. And so I was just generally in a depressive, depressing, bad mood for no apparent reason. And I didn't even realize why. And my wife was like, the issue is you haven't seen a human being outside of a screen in your family for like 20 days. And you couldn't like, if you had, you had a bad meeting, you couldn't like, you know, normally I'd go outside, you go for a walk. You're like, okay, I can calm down. I wasn't doing that. And it, because I worked from home and it was required two Februarys in a row, I was like, it is miserable. What happens to you as a human? If you don't have those interactions, if you aren't getting like all those things they need to do. And it was kind of its own little experiment. And because it happened to me two years in a row, I totally tell people, I'm like, I apologize to anybody that's got a birthday in February. But there's a reason why it's only 28 days, because it is a miserable month and you just want to get through it, right? You're coming off the holidays in January. You're kind of enjoying the slowness in January because December, November, we're so hyper. You're kind of even the, the most extrovert in the world is like coming down and February comes in. You know, you're like, what? what's going on? They can't do anything. And, and it was just interesting. And it didn't realize it till, you know, last year. And this was a feeling I had. It didn't have to do with having a bad day at work or a bad interaction with family. It was just, I was depressed. I was like, this is what depression feels like. And being depressed without having a reason for not feeling happy. Like, okay, I had a bad meeting or something. But I was 47 to figure it out. The other thing tying back to it, which I think, you know, I've also identified, we all have teenagers. Uh, I have a teenage daughter who's 16, you know, getting a look at colleges. And I, and I applaud her because she's very, very open with her feelings and telling us what's going on. And she's, I, she's a very successful student and she's a very happy student, but when she's not feeling right mentally, she's told us before. And my wife and I don't mess around. We're like, Hey, went to the school student guidance counselors. Like, Hey, we want you to pull Charlie out of class. We want you to talk to her because she's sending us physical ailments that she's having, which I think turned out to be anxiety. And, and we're worried about her. We're not going to like, Hey, wait to, and so she now is routinely seeing somebody that they bring into school and she tells us how it goes. And, you know, sometimes your parents are part of the problem. So, you know, telling your parents, you're feeling a certain way because your parents are giving you a hard time about your grades talking to us, isn't going to help. But I'm just, my, my thing of it is, is I feel really happy that we were had open conversations with Charlie who's my daughter and we were able to find her something that she's getting a benefit out of. Yeah. So um, you, you actually bring up a decent point because um, what you're describing is what Zach does, right? Oh, a piece of it. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I would be, yeah. I would not be correct. Zach is part of a team 
at the high school that's put together and something I'm proud of because it was during my time there and Zach was a big, pretty big part of that that provides that um, resources for students um, or children just like you're talking about, Kevin. And what Zach would say, I think, in, in retrospect is it's really high-performing kids, right? High-performing kids that you see a lot of uh, that um, struggle with um, – coping with lots of different life events, failure, <laughs> uh, the anxiety about being successful all the time and being at the top yeah, all the time. And pressure that your parents and, and right. not purposely, but your parents can put on. And then the last thing I'll say, it interesting because now we're starting to look at colleges and, you know, we're there as parents that we're following our daughter who's talking to the, to the person who's a student there and they're showing the different buildings. And, and in my daughter's case, they're, she wants to be an animator, animation field. So they're talking about, you know, this building was donated by Pixar and this one is, you know, the desks are from Walt Disney and blah, blah, blah. But we walk by a building and they're like, oh, this is where our mental health building is and it's available to all students, which was really nice to see. But it was really interesting to see how my daughter reacted as a positive going, mm -hmm. oh, if I need support and I'm at college, you're telling me there's a place I could go. And like I said, at the end of the day, I feel really happy that my daughter is open with us and saying, look, if, if things don't feel right, and they're not right. No, we need we you know you can have we can talk about this and we can find you support you need. And that stigma that probably this conversation probably would not have happened in the right household when we were teenagers, you know, for probably a couple different reasons, um, is there now. So it's not perfect. It's not, doesn't mean, you know, things can't happen, but I'm really happy, you know, Zach, that my daughter has kind of found this place where she feels comfortable doing it. And now she can be the best Charlie that she, you know, she can be. I don't think you find success in life without the mental part necessarily coming along with it to be truly happy. So, right. you know, it's kind of an observation I have as having a teenage daughter. And we even touched yeah. on this, and I'd love to hear Zach's um, position. So, you know, Adam it, uh, was Zach's brother. He's Zach's brother. Adam passed away 2021, right, of right. Um, uh, of suicide, right? Um, right. And what I'm curious, Zach, and you are – I always thought about you in this situation. Adam was a student of mine, too. Um, you're an expert in this field. Like, you know, it just goes to show you about – you know, surrounded by resources, um, just to struggle people go through. And Adam's a great example of that. Uh, and not a, 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 I would tell you this, Zach, and Zach knows this, we've had friends, um, we've had friends that fa face the same thing, right? Yep. I mean, it was, it's amazing what we went through with COVID and, and what people face. So a couple of things that you kind of reflect on in those things and, and what that taught you a little bit, Zach. Yeah, so I will. T so I'll tell you, it was one of the biggest. Uh, it was one of the biggest parts of Adam's death that I struggled with, um, mostly because I, uh, you know, I was with him uh, that night um, that he died. So I was actually about um, fifty feet away, um, and so he, you know, I struggled. I struggled not knowing if I was going to come back to work. You know, I was like, yeah. I was like, I don't know. Like, am I, am I a mental health professional? Like, how did I let this happen? Like, you know, I really, I really struggled a lot with that. Um, and even I would say I, you know, I still struggle with that now in my work um, from time to time. Like I, you know, I'll meet with a kid and um, think, I mean, I, I think, 
I'm so thankful that I work with the people that I work with that get it. Um, because, you know, sometimes I still need to like double check with somebody that I'm not being overly cautious, right? <laughs> like, because I think that, you know, after you experience something like that, you know, you go, well, am I now going to be like overly protective and not be able to make an objective assessment, you know, professionally. Um, but I also have done a lot of work in reminding myself that Adam was a human being. Um, and he was an individual human being. Um, and he just happened to be my brother. Right. And so, um, I think that that is, has been incredibly hard work. Um, he had a lot of stuff that he was dealing with. Um, and you know, through his entire life, I mean, through, from when he was a little kid. Um, and so, I think that the biggest part for me was that I never anticipated that it would be that close to me that, that this happened. You know, it, it was never, I tell, I told people a lot, like I wasn't as shocked that this had happened. Um, it was more shocking that it happened um, under my essentially what I felt was supervision, you know? Right. Um, and I always thought that I would get a phone call you know, from a distance mm. that, you know, this had happened. And, uh, so, you know, I, it, it has been a great, I, I hate to put it that way. It has been a great learning opportunity for me, both personally and professionally that, um, you know, people are individuals and the, the mind is incredibly, incredibly powerful and should be handled with an immense amount of care. Um, and I think it has helped me be a great advocate for people. Um, I think it's helped me really, um, be, be really compassionate for people's situation and be really patient. Um, and I think it's, and in working with kids in particular, I think it's helped me actually be patient with their parents. Um, because I don't, I'll, I'll be totally honest with you. And I joke about this all the time too. Like the reason I work with kids is because I, I don't have a lot of patience for adults. So, um, you know, I, I tried working with adults for a while and it just wasn't my thing. So, but it, but it has helped me like have a lot of perspective. So, um, you know, that's, that's kind of been my reflection. I do, I, I still work, I still work on this and I'll, I'll probably work on this the rest of my life. Um, you know, just because I, I think I, like in my first episode back and, and we talk about this, um, with other people who are survivor, survivors of suicide loss, you know, it's a club that you didn't like know existed, but now you're a part of like, you're a part of this club of people that um, like we're really, really close to somebody who died by suicide. Um, and it's a club that sucks. Like it's a sucky club, right. um, but it's there. Uh, and the people that are in that club are really unique. Um, so it is, it is a lot of reflection, uh, a lot of time. So what are some of the lessons you kind of learned about, you know, Adam's situation, but we all face kind of those situations about um, just the importance of taking mental health seriously, right? And the importance of, like, getting the resources and, I don't know, providing help to people, I guess. So, 
so this is so this is kind of like I don't know how to describe this either, but you know, a- Adam had Adam had every opportunity um to get help. You know, he he was surrounded by people that wanted to help. Um unfortunately his disease uh, his disease is i mean he he had multiple things he struggled with substance use um you know depression um probably some other undiagnosed mental health stuff unfortunately though those things were so pervasive that they prevented him from from accessing those resources and those supports um and eventually you know what ended up happening is they culminated in this in this tragedy um however what i would encourage people to do is to never stop to like never stop trying like if you love somebody and you know somebody even if you don't love them like if you if you know somebody and you're close to somebody that um is struggling and you have the opportunity to try to provide resources or support for them like like nobody's ever a lost cause um and this is kind of a crass way to say this, but no, nobody's a lost cause until they're not breathing anymore. Right. So even up until, and I mean like the minutes before Adam passed away, I was trying to get him somewhere. Right. Um, and so like always be trying like my, and my goal in my work and then my personal life is to always be trying to get somebody to that next level of like, what is going to help them? Like, what is the next professional step for them as far as professional help goes? And so that's my advice to like parents, to, to siblings, to whatever friends, peers, like always be trying to get somebody to professional help, even if they've, you know, I get a lot of like, well, they've done that before. And then it didn't help. Well, sometimes, I mean, we know like, it takes multiple times for people like, and that's unfortunate, but that's what the research says. Like recovery is a process. It's not a one-time thing. Um, and so just keep, just keep caring. Don't give up on people. Um, and just keep trying because if it does, unfortunately not work out, you're going to want to be able to, to, fall back on the comfort that you feel like you did everything that you could for that person. Um, because that's been really comforting for me. Right. And he wasn't, you know, obviously, you know, we, we lost Adam, but he was the only friend that we've, we've lost right. too. Like I, both Zach and I lost a really close friend over COVID. Um, and we won't go into detail because it wasn't really publicly right. you know, out there, but you know, we lost that person. Um, yep. and you know, constantly in our heads, um, cause we're really, we were really, really close about what did we miss? Like what signs did we miss or what could we have done? You know, and those are tough circumstances. That's a tough situation. Yes. You yeah. know, my conclusion of it too. And it's really interesting. Uh, I was thinking about this actually on the 5k run. Um, so we started this podcast and the history of this podcast is we used to come on here and, uh, it started, this podcast started over COVID and it literally started cause we, and I don't know if Brian Kevin remember this, we would put each other on FaceTime while President Trump was giving his daily press conferences and give our reflections on that press conference of that day. And so we morphed that into a podcast where we would come on and argue or bring guests but argue about current events. And then um, the world lost its mind, and Zach knows it well, um, during COVID, and people started you know, launching grenades at one another of mm-hmm. anything they could find 
and I just got cold feet. I was like, I'm, I'm done doing this because it just is a recipe for disaster. And so we decided to bring it back and um, focus on our health, physically, physical health, which is kind of talked about uh, mental health. And as I'm running, I was thinking this, and this is a long way to get to this, is uh, how important it is to have close relationships with other people. Mm-hmm. And this is where I talk about Brian and Kevin. It occurred to me, like, no matter how many friends or acquaintances or people I know, or even my wife or daughter and things like this, how I know the closest relationships I'm ever going to have is probably my identical twin brother, right? Who I just know or sense or feel like because our DNA is exactly the same. What he, what he's going through or how he's going through it or what he thinks or things like that. And then Kevin, right? Um, those are our closest relationships and our chance to get physically healthy and then mentally healthy is going to be based on that relationship. And that's the point of this podcast, right? The fact that we do it every Sunday is um, an opportunity to take the medication of that relationship. And then when we run our five K's or work out or, or Apple watch goes off or we're texting inappropriate things back and forth to each other, that is the medication in there too. It occurred to me during the run, like, um, well, yeah, I mean, I, so I agree. And, I think, again, I reflect on this more than it's interesting, the dynamic between the three of us, because we are so close in age. Like, I love telling people I'm like, yeah, I have three. I have two brothers. We're all um, like 14 months apart. And then they're like doing the math. They're like, I I don't know how that happens. And they're like, oh, there's twins, isn't there? But we were together all the time. And then I think there's an aspect of, of our parents, especially dad, who, you know, really, Zach, the, the podcast or everything you're hearing now is the same thing as our dinner table conversations except we were far less tactful like you would never <laughs> record anything my mom would just shake her head and then leave the room there was ta- uh, or the uh, a toxic masculinity without a doubt with any other <laughs> females in the house without besides her mom but then there's a different part of it and i don't know where it comes from which is I always kind of look at advice I'm getting from anybody and saying, well, what's the angle on it? Like, okay, what, okay. There might be an unconscious bias there, or there's an angle um, as to what they want me to think. The ones that I always know that will give me the honest truth, even if I don't want it, are Brian and Casey. And so sometimes when it's not depression, but it's like, Hey, woe is me you know, Brian and Casey would be like, dude, you you need to suck this up. And, you know, I'm here for you if you need me, but stop being a, you know, and I won't say the word and and, and deal with it. Or, you know, Brian, when, when you're having a bad day at work and I'm like calling Brian and I want some sort of sympathy, Brian's like, dude, you pick your profession. If you don't like it, go do something else. And I was like, <laughs> well, it's not really what I was looking for, but there is some perspective there. But it is interesting in the dynamic between the three of us and then the podcast, Again, we really thought that really our mom was the only one listening to this because she does get a kick out of it. But when people listen to it, they're like, no, we tune in for the banter between you three because you three are just playing off one another. Now we have a lot at stake with our mortgages and our families and everything else. So we don't say (laughs) what we probably are thinking. The other thing on this too, which we started, Brian records it and you can see it with us is this has been a pretty tame podcast, but you can hear what you're hearing over the podcast and what you're seeing are two different things. And so like Casey may say something about, Hey, he took, he, he took testosterone and and I'm like, what? But the look on my face is like, are you effing kidding me? (laughs) Like what kind of bond did you just drop here? So at any rate, it is interesting when I look, I think it's the best gift I've ever been given, which is 
you know, I don't know who gets credit for it, but having two brothers so close in age that I know that I can turn to in a heartbeat and they will give me a kick in the ass if I need it. Or they'll say, Hey, I'm here. If you need, you need to, you need help on something. So yeah, know, I tell people this all the time. Uh, listen, being a twin, um, being, being a twin, it is so much easier than, than not being a twin. I'll give you this analogy. I never worried about who I was hanging out with their friends or even what I looked like, or some if someone was being honest to me until I went to college at 18 years old, Brian and I went different direction. He went to one college. I went to another. And I remember the first day sitting in my door dorm going, God, this shit's hard. Like I got to go meet people and actually talk to other people before um, I never worried about that. We always had big groups of maybe friends or stuff like that, but there's only one person I cared about of opinion. Uh, well, two, Brian and Kevin, especially probably Brian because we're identical twins. Um, and that's a huge advantage. And when that advantage goes away and you have to do it on your own, I thought, man, God, that sucks, man. That sucks. And so, well, but it's, the, yeah. it's the dynamic of three too. So mom has numerous stories where two of us ganging up on the other one. But when it's one-on-one, right, and you're saying, okay, well, I'm having this issue and I want to talk to you about it, and they're giving your opinion, you're like, well, that's just your opinion. Like, your opinion is no different than anyone else's opinion. But when you have two people that are in agreement going, no, you're an idiot, and Casey and Brian both agree that you're an idiot, you go, and there's two people that think I'm an idiot. Maybe I am an idiot for this. So the dynamic of having three, I think, always kind of worked, you know, to an advantage because I always took it like if, if Casey... If Casey disagrees with me, I'm like, that's Casey's opinion. He's full of shit. I don't care. But then if Brian's like, no, Casey's right. And Casey, I'm like, okay, well, they're both thinking that then this is probably me, not them. <laughs> um, so, you know, at any rate, it's just, again, it's, it's a, it's something that we've had. You can't buy it. You can't, you know, you can't, we just, we're lucky enough to have two brothers that are so close in age, so close in age that everything we were doing, we we're going through together, you know? You know, the, the one thing it's not, off that but i was listening to zach talk about this and you know i sort of struggle with this in this way is you know we've come a long way in how we think about mental health and how we deal with it um but it's interesting it's like and here's the way i think about it by the way is you know if you think about your physical health right and so your physical health is you know is real people take it seriously you wouldn't walk around with a broken leg you'd go see the doctor right and we don't treat mental health in the same way, right? And so we don't look at mental health like, hey, like if you had a broken leg, you'd go see the doctor. If you have something that is is it is wrong, you know, you feel like it's wrong, you feel like you need help with, or somebody that you you love, care for, or responsible for, um, has some sort of challenge uh, and a mental health challenge. We don't take it the same level of seriousness or give it the same level of attention. I'm always surprised by that. And it's it's like we've come so far, but we still have so far to come before we actually think about it that way. Yeah, I think, it's gen- and I think it's generational. Though, like I said, mm-hmm. I mean, this conversation the three of us are having right now, do you think this conversation would have ever happened with dad? No. no. But if you but, talk about somebody who had, like, I think he's a perfect example. Like he, like, I, I don't know that I knew somebody that had more mental health issues. Yeah, I would agree. That, you know it's a, it's a challenge. I mean, it's a, um, it's a, you know, it's a, even the way we talk about it, you have some point uh, far to come. But, but, uh, and, and but here's why I wanted to kind of talk, uh, you know, as Zach was talking and then, um, you know, everybody's talking, I wanted to leave people with a little hope, right? The fact is that, you know, we all face significant obstacles and some of those obstacles are horrible and really, really hard. 
But here's my opinion. My opinion is the way out is relationships with each other, like connecting with each other and having um, true relationships. And when you don't have those, that's and you don't have people looking out for you, that's when we're really in trouble. And that's probably why social media is so harmful is they're all superficial relationships that people aren't looking out for each other. And we knew we need to surround ourselves by people that um, truly care about us and, and, and want the best for us. And we trust that's the way out. I think that's the point of the podcast to me. It's not testosterone. Well, I mean, listen, I'm always going to try to get an edge. I'm, like that didn't work. Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting the edge. I'm always trying to get an edge. This is the part where Zach, where Casey comes in and drops a bomb, and you're like, "Wait, what?" And then you're like, "Oh, well, we'll, talk, we'll unpack that a different time." Well, I was going to tell you, Casey, so that you're not a, so that you're not alone, and I, I didn't want you yeah. to feel alone. You're not the only one that's, yeah. that is on testosterone replacement. So, yeah, I remember you mentioned that at some yeah. point to me too. Oh, because I, I, I was, I mean, I was. <laughs> But but I didn't use mine to get an upper edge with my brothers in a that, in that's a exactly the point. I'm not faulting the testosterone. Like we just talked a whole bit about how we talk to each other. Casey at no point in the past five years brought up, oh, by the way, I'm taking testosterone <laughs> until two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So it's the edge part. I was like, okay, well, what's it? You know, if all of a sudden Casey's like benching 350 pounds, I'm like, well, what's he on this time? Well, I'll tell you, my 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 testosterone replacement has not helped me bench more. I don't know, so I don't know. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> you, you know the. Uh, I, I feel like sometimes I'm having a different conversation here, but I'm curious about this. We've had this conversation now going on like what uh, 45 minutes an hour, and uh, I mean we've talked around mental health, but like Casey, Kevin, like how, no one ever asked anyone, "How's your mental health? Like, is there right?" You know, is you know what's going on i mean are are you okay right and so like we never asked that question right and so i mean even even us sitting on a call for 45 minutes talking about mental health and talking around it in every different direction never once looked at each other and be like are you doing okay yeah although i will make the argument that uh when i'm around you guys i know (laughs) like um no for both of you guys and um listening to i just know i I don't know how to explain it other than that like between brian and kevin maybe it's a twin thing more than anything else maybe it's a like i just know i just know um when i talk to you like i'll tell you like and i think this is where people are different right like you talk about everyone's a human being and they're different i struggle with this because and and i can talk about i have people that report up to me if I'm having an issue, okay, so I had a $180,000 flood in my house, or I have a daughter that's got a cancer diagnosis, or a wife that's got a cancer diagnosis, or a special needs son, I will tell you how I'm doing. And I will be the first one basically say, hey, this is where I'm at, this is what I'm doing, you're the first one to know. Like, I don't know, all three of us would do the same way. Where I kind of fall is I make a bad assumption that everybody will be forthcoming with how they're feeling. And sometimes I don't ask when I should because they're waiting for you to ask Because Sometimes I have people reporting. I'm like, so how are you doing? They're like, Oh, thank you so much for asking. And I was like, okay, well, that was an easy question to ask, but I just make assumption when someone needs help, like whatever, like if I need help, I will call you guys and go, guys, I need help. But not everybody does that. Some people are waiting to be asked. And that's where I have, you know, to improve. I'm like, Oh, I didn't even think about asking because I assumed they would tell me, but I think that's because everybody's different, but that's how I am. I'm mentally, I got my house back a month ago. I got a job that I like. I'm feeling pretty good. Right. Uh, especially for February. But I just take I a lot of pride on people. Now. I took a lot of pride in Zach. 
was a student of mine and then worked for me, well, been around me for 15 years. And I take a lot of pride on people not, never see me sweat, ever see me sweat. And you see really complex things that we'll have to do. And I guess I would like to know, Zach, like I took a lot of pride in making sure maybe you got to see it a little more because we were pretty close. Um, very few times during the times you worked around me, you saw me um, sweat anything. Like it, I always was stable. Like I always was trying to be even on almost everything we did. It'd be very few times where you would see me really show you I was incredibly pissed off. But I'll be honest with you, there was some point in every day, <laughs> in every day that we were together that I was incredibly pissed off about something. Yeah, I, I mean, pissed off, no. I, pissed off, I mean, you didn't show pissed off very much. I will say that, you know, po like through COVID and post-COVID, I, I could feel that you were tense, like that there were things that were on your mind and that, you know, there were things that were like, like there's crap going on. <laughs> like there's like you were like, you were definitely more stressed as a, as an educational leader through COVID and post COVID than you were pre COVID, but oh, yeah, don't tell um, like who wasn't. Yeah. So, but, but no, like, I mean, you, I think that would be to be expected. Right. Yeah, I just took but a lot pissed of off, pissed off. No. Yeah, I took a lot of pride in the fact. I used to say this to young principals all the time. When someone and this gets to Brian's question, when a teacher asks how you're doing, the only appropriate response is, "I'm doing great. I can. This is fantastic." Um, the only response when you were talking about your school or your kids is exceptionally positive, because it's the only answer you could give that makes the other person a better person. Meaning, I think the biggest line that people tell and everybody tells it is how you doing? I'm fine. Like I'm fine is the biggest lie people tell over and over again, every day at an everyday basis. Yeah. That's what, you know, that's the biggest lie people tell. When I think the, pro I think the challenge with that is it further, you know, and I, I definitely see why, you know, that would be like, you want to foster that culture and that positivity. But I also think that that stigmatizes you know, the reality of that people experience stress in a realistic fashion and people experience, you know, mental health, like, you know, Oh, like my principal could actually, my principal does have like stress and anxiety. Um, like I do as a teacher, like, Oh, we have that in common. Like I could definitely see the pros to being able to have that commonality uh, especially through like a common trauma such as COVID, you know, if right. we look at that as a, as a common trauma. So I definitely see like both sides of, of that. It's so interesting. Cause um, I try to do about that from when we had, you know, a lot of times we would have big staff meetings. Right. Mm -hmm. And I tried to kind of communicate a little bit of that sometimes, um, which was pretty well received, I suppose. And there too, it's interesting. This Friday, Zach and I are doing professional development for about 150 support staff. And the whole week, you know, so this whole day, I'm excited for this day, but it's really, there are two goals for this Friday are this. We want to say thank you as much as possible because it's February. Kevin, it mm -hmm. kind of gets the point you were making, but February sucks. Everybody hates February. Mm -hmm. So we want to say thank you as much as possible. And it's really about um, energizing people to finish the year, really, you know, it's um it's um exploring or motivating is the goal for that what we're trying to do on friday we're gonna spend eight hours doing it so i think zach and i have a really good plan in place um 
but we'll see. We'll talk probably next week. I'm sure I'll give you an update on how it well how well it went. Brian, we did we didn't ask how you were doing. Doing fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> so here's here's something I want to talk no, about. No, he's not. He's not. He's, he's, he's not doing so, fine. So it's the difference between because you know I talked about the difference between physical health or physical injury and mental injury and how we don't treat them the same. You know, the other thing I think we blend together is mental health and mental illness. Right. And so there's a difference between maintaining your mental health and how you're going to, how you approach your mental health and what you do to make sure you, you, you know, it's sort of like to stay in physical shape. What do you do to make sure you stay in physical health versus how do you tackle a physical injury? How do you tackle a mental injury or, you know, um, and, you know, we tried to, we sort of like had this whole avenue on physical health and how we deal with it. And it was, and mental health, it just seems like maybe, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm nowhere near an expert on it. I'm not, not good at it at all, but we, we treat it the same way. Um, yeah, cause you can't see it. You can see someone with a broken leg. You can't see mm-hmm. somebody's, um, physical or mental being or mental mm-hmm. health too. Right. We don't take that serious anyways. Yeah. I feel like I try to like. Cause I see it, you know, I see it in clients. I see it in people that, you know, work with me. Like I try to figure out or think if I see things that just aren't making sense, is this just a, a stress reaction? Is this an anxiety issue? Is this what they're going through is really challenging? Um, or, uh, or is this something that is, um, is not a, a, a mental wellness issue. This is a mental health issue. This is something that's a real concern. We did a whole, we actually did a, I think we did a whole episode on that. Like what is the difference between mental, mental health and wellness and mental illness and disorder? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, as far as one being baseline and something that should be, you know, a sustainable conscious effort, Mm -hmm. you know, something you should be always aware of and doing. So, you know, intentional self-care, which we talk about a lot, you know, people, it kind of drives, it kind of drives me nuts. Like when I ask people like, and I'm guilty of this, so it drives me nuts that I do it too. But I'll ask people like, Oh, what are you doing for self-care? And they sit there and they think like, Oh, what did I do last week mm. that I enjoyed that I enjoy doing? And that's not really self-care. Like if you have to sit back and think about it and go, oh, what did I do last week? That makes me happy. That's not self-care. Intentional self-care are the things that you planned to do knowing that it was going to make you happy or going to help your mental health. Like that's intentional self-care. It was planned and intentional effort. Um, you know, those things contribute to mental health and wellness and then mental illness and, and mental, mental health disorder are when you have, when your mental health and wellness is broken down to the point that you now have the symptoms and the criteria that would meet a DSM diagnosis. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and then you have to, you have to do the interventions that are necessary to overcome, you know, that disorder and you have to, to get treatment for that. So, you know, that's so how do you recognize it? Like, cause I was thinking about this probably about a year ago and I was, so there's a famous in Zach, you probably know it, but, and this is how I think of like suicide is a famous David Foster Wallace quote. Right. And I'm, I'm not going to say the quote cause I would butcher it, but you know, he talks about, um, a person committing suicide, like jumping out of a burning building, right? The, the person that jumps out of the burning building to kill himself still has the same terror and fear of the jump in the flames. But of the two alternatives, the jump in the flame, the jump is better than staying there with the flames. And so, you know, I thought about that. I'm like, that is, 
that's a really challenging thing to to deal with. And, and I think that I try to recognize if somebody's dealing with like, hey, again, stress, a mental health issue versus like something that's a real illness and try to, because I see it all the time. I see it particularly when someone calls me, I don't do this type of work at all, but I get called on occasionally in domestic relations issues. So, you know, somebody's going through a very complex divorce, a very challenging divorce. Somebody's whole life got tossed upside down. And it is not unusual for me to be have a conversation and I'm not, I'm not giving legal advice there. Just have a conversation to make sure the person's okay. And they get the help that they need because I get really concerned in that situation. If I'm not hearing mental like wellness issues, I'm hearing mental health issues. Right. I, there's an interesting study. Um, I read this, um, that took two mice and put them in cages and the bottom of the cage would give the mice electrical shock. And there was a button in each cage. And one of the buttons that when the mouse hit the button, it would stop, right? It would stop the electrical shock from happening. In the other um, cage, when the mouse hit the button, nothing would happen. So the mouse that was in the cage that would hit the button and the electrical shock would stop would learn behavior, would hit the button, stop the shock, hit the button, stop the shock, hit the button, stop the shock. In the other cage where the button did not stop the shock, the mouse initially would hit the button, but nothing would happen. And then when they switched cages, what happened was the mouse that was conditioned to hit the button would still hit the button every time. The mouse that um, would hit the button and nothing would happen just stood in the corner and just took the shock. And what the analogy was is depression is when people are facing those obstacles and they're used to doing something to make themselves feel better. That's like hitting the button. Depression is when you're used to doing something feel better, but it doesn't make you feel better. Depression is when you give up hitting the button. Does that make any sense? Yeah. And the David, so the David Foster Wallace quote is really interesting because it's like, it's the, it's basically simplified the lesser of two fears, right? So like the, the flames are coming, right? The flames are coming. And so am I going to, am I going to burn alive or am I going to, am I going to fall? And then compared to somebody that's standing there looking out the window and there's no fire, like both people would be afraid of falling out of the window. And the person who's in the fire isn't, isn't any less afraid of falling, but would rather fall than continue to burn, which, you know, the burning is compared to the depression basically. So, you know, like, and basically what they're saying is like the person who is choosing to die by suicide is not saying, well, you know, the things are, are equal. It's just the lesser, what is lesser pain? You know, what is lesser, what's less scary or what's less pain, which again, you know, is something that I've described as like, I can't, I've never experienced that. Mm -hmm. So I can't imagine what that, that feeling would be like. Um, and to make, you know, to be in that decision to make that choice. Um, and so, you know, to recognize it, I, you know, I, I would, I would say that you can, for me professionally, I can tell, I mean, I can feel when somebody is really, really depressed, right? (laughs) Like, I mean, when you're talking to somebody and there is this, there is like this emptiness, like, and there's just like, and especially like with kids, like, and again, most of my work, all of my work now is with kids. And so, 
you know, there's a lot of like sadness and we talk about sad, you know, little D depression versus B, big D depression. And, you know, there's a lot of like, oh, I'm sad today because I got broken up with versus longstanding. I've been dealing with this. I'm not getting the help I need. And I don't know where I'm going to go from here. And, and you can tell like there is a marked difference in affect between those two people. And it's scary. Like, I mean, it, the hair stands up on the back of your neck when that kid walks in your office. I mean, you can just feel it. Um, beyond that, that's where I think Casey, you know, when we were, when Casey and you guys were talking earlier about the, these relationships, I think that's where the relationships are important because if you have these relationships with folks and you maintain relationships with people, then you're going to be able to tell when something's not right. And then asking, like you were saying, um, Brian, when you were saying like being able to ask, are you okay? Is really important. Right. And so I know like Casey said, well, like I can just tell, like I can just tell being in the room, like that's great. Like to have that feeling, but also there is, um, there is a great deal of emphasis in being able to say to somebody and asking, are you okay? What's going on? Um, because it does open that door for conversation and then to be able to expand on actually what is going on, um, is important. So, you know, between the relationships and actually having the conversation being able to ask somebody if they're okay, um, all of that kind of goes into being able to identify, you know, what's actually going on with somebody. Well, you know, Zach, I appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, it's a journey for the three Wright brothers. I don't know where this journey ends or what we decide to do. You know, next week we might talk about gambling or something on the Super Bowl. Or we got always different stuff going on. Oh yeah, it's fascinating. <laughs> gambling thing is fascinating. Uh, well, I wow. appreciate you coming on um, and you know sharing a little part of your story with us, and then maybe your sure. expertise with us. We you know we really appreciate you doing that. Yeah, great to be here. Appreciate you uh, having me. Yeah, good to meet yeah, you. Take care. Nice uh, to meet you. It. Have fun, everybody. All, All right, right, Brian, Kevin. Uh, I'll see you next week, and uh, I'm sure we will. Uh, have more stories about our journey, hopefully our physical fitness journey, and hopefully maybe an update on like, um, are we losing any weight too? So. Are we are we running? When are we running next time? Ugh. Well, That's... we're gonna do the um, the let's we're gonna do the march. Let's sign up for the march, um, uh, St. Patrick's yeah. Day, five k in Cleveland, and then if you can find mm-hmm. something before that. All right, all right, all right, Sign guys. Up the link. Can't wait. See you guys next week. Thanks, Zach. I'm as mad as hell, but I'm not going to take this anymore. You're killing me, Smalls. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. God have mercy on your soul. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Recording.